chapter 3 is, is uh, the, the last verses here is the Apostle Paul and his heart for the church as he's been teaching and encouraging the, the church at Ephesus and all churches, really. This letter isn't specifically written uh, only to Ephesus. It was a letter that was to be spread around and to encourage the churches and the positions that we have as believers, uh, our positions in Christ, the blessings that we have. And here, uh, these again, these last verses in chapter 3 is a prayer of the Apostle Paul. And, and a prayer from his heart. And it just, it so touches me, and I hope it touches you as well, that just his attitude as he's praying for believers. And I think it's an important thing for all of us to be praying for one another. You know, we, we, we are called to pray for each other. We're called to support each other. And not, any, not all of us may seem like we've been called to intercessory prayer. There are those people that are just fervent and, and rigorous in their prayers of praying and praying for others and stepping in, interceding, standing in the gap for someone. But listen, we're all called to intercessory prayer. We're all called to be able to pray for one another. It's not just praying for ourselves. It's not praying for our own selfish needs. Those things are important. I'm not saying don't do that, but to be praying for others, those that believe and those that don't. God answers prayer. Do you believe that this morning? And if he does answer prayer, then we need to spend time praying to him. And again, this is not another yoke. Hey, you need to pray more. I would think we would all have an opportunity to say, I could pray more, right? Not all of us pray enough, do we? No, we could all pray more, but who has time for that? But to really, truly spend time praying to God because we've been called to it. All are called to prayer. We are all equipped to be prayer warriors because of what Jesus has done. We're heirs to Christ. We're adopted sons and daughters into his family. And we possess the same power and access to God, listen, as Jesus does. Same power, same access to God. Praying to him, aren't you glad to know that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God praying for you this morning? Boy, that's good to know, Lord. You know that Jesus knows how to pray in God's will because he is God. And if he prays for you and if he prays for his church, we should participate in that as well. And we will see that again in the apostle's heart. See, whether we whisper a prayer or whether we cry out with a top of our, from the top of our voice a, a request or a, a prayer to God, do you know when you pray that God hears you? Do you know that? Is that a, or do you, well, I hope he does. No, 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 because of what Jesus has done, God hears us. He hears you when you pray. He hears you when you talk to him. That's the beauty of prayer is that communion and communicating with the Lord. See, the, the great thing about praying for others is that we get to participate in what God wants to do. You pray for someone else and then you see God answer your prayer and see God move in someone else's life. It encourages you that God's at work in, in someone else's life and in your own. And, and we certainly know that when we pray for others, we're also emulating Christ. Read John chapter 17. The entire chapter is Jesus' prayer to his father for the church, for his disciples, that they would be one, that they would be united. And his prayer for them, that not only would they pray for them, but for those who would believe because of them. That means he's praying for us, praying for you and praying for me. So we pray for others because that's what Jesus did. did. And we pray for others because we want to share in their burdens. No one wants to carry their own weight. 
No, we're there to help carry the load. And when we pray for others, we learn to trust God. Because you can't pray to God without believing that he's going to do something, right? Without believing that he's listening and hearing us. See, we are also changed when we pray. See, prayer should touch our hearts. It should impact us and to know that, that, that God's going to do a work in us. Oswald Chambers put it this way. Prayer is not a matter of changing things externally, but one of working miracles in a person's inner nature. Because when we pray for each other, part of our prayer should be God increase our faith. Increase our faith to believe that you can do the impossible, that you can do more than we ask, and we're going to see that in our text today. So understand we're changed when we pray, and obviously other people will, be, will pray. When we pray, we glorify God. Uh, John 14, 13, Jesus says, <clears throat> excuse me, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So if your prayers are, God, be glorified in this process. Because I believe in even in our most difficult of seasons, in our most difficult of circumstances, God can get the glory in it as he carries us through it. And then finally, when we pray, we know that God always answers. He may not always answer the way we want him to, but God always answers prayer. I remember listening to a message on prayer and the pastor said, God answers prayer in three ways. Yes, no, and not right now. And boy, isn't that true? Sometimes he wants us to be patient. Sometimes he wants us to stay in that place or stay in that season because he's teaching us something. But when God says no, that's also an answer to prayer. We may not like it, but at least he answers us. And if we understand that, then we'll understand what prayer really means. When we pray, we must also, listen, we must also listen to God's voice. See, some of us just like to talk, tell God what to do. But how many times do you sit and just pray to God, talk to God, and then sit there and listen? Who has time for that, right? That's what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Because I say the same thing. Who has time to stop and listen to God? I give him my issues, I give him what I want him to do, and then I'm off doing my thing. Boy, I imagine there's so many times when God is like, I really wanted to share some things with you. So make sure you find time to listen to God. Listen to what he wants to say. So as we look at verse 14, Paul says this, starting again, verse 14, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And here it is. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask and think, according to the power that works in us, 
to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And everybody said, amen. Amen. I want to remind you all of where the Apostle Paul is as he's writing this and as he's praying this. He's in prison in Rome, probably chained to a guard. And Paul's prayer, as he's on his knees and interceding, in intercessory prayer for the church, his prayer is not, God, get me out of my circumstance. His prayer is not, God, show these people your heart and your will to understand what I need. No, he's not even praying for himself at all. He's praying for others. And that's the message, title message. My message is a prayer for others, praying for others. Oh, I hope you have a prayer list. I hope you have some place where you jot down the things that you need God to do or are asking God to do. And along in that list, you've got people's names, I'm sure your family, your loved ones. But to truly have a place where you're writing down what you want God to do. And then, as we'll see at the last verse, that he would be glorified. That after he answers those prayers to come back and say, thank you, Lord. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I get what I want and I'm just, oh, wonderful. God answered me. But to truly stop and say, Lord, thank you. You didn't have to answer that way. You didn't have to meet my needs in that way. But thank you for answering me. Giving him the glory. Because it's his work in our lives that matters. See, in verse 14, Paul says, for this reason, okay, the things he was talking, I encourage you to read chapter three right from the beginning as Paul is talking about the unsearchable riches of Christ. Even if you look at verse 13, therefore I ask that you do not lose heart in my tribulations for you, which is your glory. In Paul's struggles, in Paul's difficulties, he didn't want them to worry about it. In fact, he wanted them to glorify God through it. And so in those things, for this reason, because of these things that we have, because of the unsearchable riches in Christ, he says, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you pray, I know this might seem basic, but you pray to the Father in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the process. We don't come to God in our own Strength. We don't come to, into God because we've gained access, because we've done good, because we've done our part, because we've been obedient, because we've been a good person. No, we come to the Father because of what Jesus did, right? He gives us that access. So when we pray, you come to the Father. The, Holy Spirit, the, the Trinity is all there. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to truly meditate and think about the presence of the fullness of God during your prayers. It brought the Apostle Paul to his knees. Now, there's plenty of prayer in the Bible that people aren't praying on their knees. In fact, Jesus many times would go and just lift his hands and look into heaven and just pray. So you don't have to be on your knees. But wouldn't you agree? There is some prayer that you just feel like asking God when you humble yourself before God and get on your knees. Have you ever prayed laying flat on the ground? 
There's been times in my life where I wanted God to move in so such a powerful way that I felt there was no way for me to pray except to lay down on the ground and to cry out to God in humility. Again, it's humbling ourselves before the Lord and asking him for something in our lives or for someone else. So the attitude and the position that the Apostle Paul puts himself, again, he's in prison. Can you imagine it? What is this crazy prisoner over here, Paul, doing? Getting on his knees and praying a prayer. No doubt in my mind, the Apostle Paul prayed out loud because he wanted other prisoners to hear. He wanted his, the, the, the soldier that was chained to him, he wanted him to hear his heart and to hear his prayer. But sometimes we have to get on our knees, guys. Sometimes we have to humble ourselves. I can remember when I got saved at a Calvary chapel, there were times people would just walk forward at the end of a service and kneel before the altar, almost prostrate, lay down, praying to God. What's going on in your life or the life of someone you care about that you need to take to God and put yourself in a place of humility? I shared it last week. Jesus gives us access, right? That we might boldly come to the throne of grace and we should come and pray bold prayers. But that doesn't mean we cannot humble ourselves during that process. So I would say, consider sometime this week getting in your quiet place, getting down on your knees and just pouring your heart out to God. It will change you when you're praying for someone else in that way. And for the Apostle Paul, he had no problem with it. See, Paul could have easily been prideful, right? Hey, God called me. God's the one that pulled me out of, out of my life and put me into the ministry and called me to the gospel. But Paul was very humble, knowing that it wasn't anything that he had done or any quality that he had. It was that he humbled himself before, himself before God and, and was humbled by God, quite honestly. So don't either humble yourself or God will humble you, right? So he humbles himself. I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. He's talking about the family of God, not just the world. He's talking about those who believe in him, those who acknowledge our God as our Father. That's a study in itself, to truly just think about God as your Father. I know people that are so close to God, they, they call God Daddy, right? It's, 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 that, that, it's that intimacy that you have with the Heavenly Father, that he's your, he's your dad. He's the one who's Abba, okay, from whom the whole, whole family in heaven and earth is named. And look what he asked for, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. It's nothing to do with us. Paul's not saying, Lord, grant them this, this blessing in their life because they're good people. Grant them because they're just so special. And they, we are special to God, but it's nothing about us according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit. And here it is in the inner man. You can look on the outside to be a complete and total peace and be a wreck on the inside, right? Just, oh, put on the good face, right? Hey, you're a Christian. Don't, don't show them your weakness. 
Paul wanted the believers, he wants us, he wants you here today to be so confident in your relationship to God that you're strengthened on the inside because when the inside is strong, it comes out. It, it, be, it becomes a part of your character to know the love of God in that way. And so he wants to be strengthened on the inside. It's one thing to be strong on the outside. It's a good thing to be physically fit. And the older I get, I just... It's like, Lord, <laughs> what else can hurt on my body? You ever feel that way? My wife and I, we got two little dogs now. And now I feel like grandpa when I get down on the floor to play with them. And I'm like, how am I going to get up from this position? <laughs> and I'm not kidding you. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, owning and groaning to get up. But we're, we don't. Strength on the outside is okay. Paul said, listen, bodily exercise is okay. But godliness is really what matters. And Paul's prayer is that, Lord, that you would strengthen them on the inside. So when you are praying for someone else, pray that they would be strong inside where the Holy Spirit dwells, where their faith dwells, where their soul is. Lord, strengthen them in this area to trust in you. When you're going through a difficult season, our hope has to be in God. I think about David. Uh, I, th I think it's Psalm 103 where he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. In a sense, he's basically saying, I'm in such a dire need for God that I've got to tell myself to bless the Lord because I don't feel like it in my body. Ever feel that way? Don't feel like blessing God, but knowing in your spirit, that's what God deserves. So to, to truly in the inside, to bless God from inside, where the Holy Spirit dwells, where the Holy Spirit is saying, you keep trusting, you keep holding on. God is at work in your life. And that's the kind of faith, that's the kind of strength that we need, guys, to be able to pray for each other effectively. Because if we don't have that strength, and if we don't have that trust, then we're not going to believe God can change someone's life. And God's in the business of changing people's lives. Still to this day. Praise God for that. <laughs> so that's the first thing, that we would be strengthened. That's what Paul's heart was, to, that you would strengthen them, Lord, through the Spirit in the inner man. And then in verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, you won't be able to pray for other people unless you truly have a love for people a love for people and not just the lovable ones, right? He wants us to love all people and if you are rooted and grounded in this love, then guess what? That, that Christ will dwell with us. Christ will be in this our presence because we have this root and ground of love knowing that he loves us and knows how much he loves us and you know how much God loves you when you look to the cross, when you look at what Jesus willingly did by dying on that cross for your sins, that's true love revealed to us. God desires to dwell with us. And if he's dwelling with us, guess what? It'll be easy for us to pray for others. It'll be easy for us to just, Lord, put someone on my mind. Show me someone that I can be lifting up and praying for right now. 
And that, that's what Paul's heart is. He's sitting in jail, and he's just thinking about the church and what their need is. What we all need is the presence of God, right? There's plenty of presence of our flesh. There's plenty of the presence of ourselves. We need God's presence in our lives. And so here, Paul says that he went dwell in your hearts through faith. In verse 18, and that may be, uh, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You know that the Holy Spirit was at work in Paul's life right here. To see him pray this and to, to know the love of God. Do you think the Apostle Paul knew God's love? You can answer. Yeah. He experienced God's grace in a powerful way, right? God showed up in his life. God transformed him. God called him into the ministry to, to be used by God to, to, to lead the Gentiles in faith. Paul knew the love of God. And as he's trying to comprehend the love of God, is it comprehensible? Can you comprehend God's love? My mind's blown away that he even loves me, right? He loves me so much. He has a good plan for me. And so Paul, as he's sitting here and he's thinking about, God, show them your love. Help them to know your love. He starts to think about the capacity of God's love. What does he say? Uh, where is it? The width, the length, the depth, and the height. This is interesting to me. I've never seen it put this way. God's love is wide enough to include every person. Think about that. God's love is long enough that it'll last through all eternity. Ooh. God's love is deep enough to reach the worst of sinners. <laughs> Many of us qualify in this room. And God's love is high enough to take us to heaven. And as Paul's thinking about the love of God in his own life, he has this visual picture. He's like, it, it extends this way, and it goes this way, and it's so high, and it's so deep. It's, uh, it's the greatest thing in all the world. And Paul's prayer for the church is that you would know that love, that you would know that love. The world will say, God doesn't love you. You don't deserve his love. You're not walking according to his, his ways. He, he doesn't love you. He's not happy with you. But his love is so unbelievable that there is nothing that we can do to separate us from God's love. Amen? Nothing. The worst sinner in this room, God's love is greater than it. Greater than it. To, to comprehend, to, to understand that we're being strengthened on the inner man, to have faith to believe that God can do anything, and then to know the love of Christ, to know how the capacity of God's love is sufficient for my needs and the needs of others. And when you know that, do you know how much easier it is to pray for someone? How many of us are praying for someone to come to know Jesus, to come to know the love of God? Because when you know the love of God, guess what? It's so much harder to sin. It's so much harder to, to dishonor him because your love for him. And he, when you know how much he loves you. So 
let that be something that motivates us, his love for us. You know, Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, prayed, Lord, if there's any way to let this cup pass, but yet not my will be done. Because Jesus knew that the only way to connect you back to the Father was for him to live, live the perfect life and to be the perfect sacrifice. That shows the love of God and the capacity of his love to all of us. And if we know that love, look at that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You know, it's interesting that uh, the word there, uh, with, that may be filled with all the fullness. It's not really a good word to translate. It's better to say filled unto the fullness of God. In other words, that you're filled completely up to capacity with God's love. Not just God's love in your life. No, it's that you're constantly filled up with the love of God. So what? So that it overflows and touches the lives of others. That's what Paul wanted. That you would be filled up with all the fullness of God. And when you're full of God, God will come out of you. Right? What's that scripture? I think Paul talks about being the fragrance of Christ, that our lives would show others what Christ is like, that they would smell it, that they would experience the love of God because of our lives. That's what Paul wants, the fullness, the fullness of God. And then finally, the last two verses are so powerful. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all. Anybody in here need that kind of kind of work in their life? Above all that we ask or think. No matter what you ask God, no matter what you think of God, he can go beyond that, guys. That's the reality. That's the God we serve. That's the, the grace of God in Paul's life compelled him to remind us that he does exceedingly, abundantly, above all. That, so to, we can never come to God and go, oh, you didn't give me enough. No. He's going to go beyond it. How many of us here pray to God and he answers our prayer, but then he goes beyond it? Gives us something we didn't expect. That's God's grace. Yes, I'm going to give this to you because you asked it according to my will. But guess what? I'm also going to give you this bonus round, right? A little extra. Because I believe God does that. Not Again, we know it's not because we deserve it, but it's because so that we will understand just how much God loves us. He didn't just answer our prayer. He didn't just meet that need we want. No, he went beyond it. And I know some of us in this room, but Pastor Rob, you don't understand. I've been praying for this thing for so long. I'm, I'm growing weary with it. If you know the love of God, if you understand that in, inside you're being strengthened on the inside, then you'll know that God's not done. God hasn't answered the prayer yet. He's still working it out. Yes, it's been a long time, but you know how long it's been to God? That long. No time to God. He's answering it. So you continue to believe that he's going to do exceedingly abundantly above. And when we believe that for each other, can you imagine how amazing it would be in the body of Christ if we would truly believe that for each other? Some of us in this room have been praying for something for so long, you needed to be reminded. He's going to do exceedingly abundantly above. 
and not, not selfishly, right? That's just his character. Paul says, I've prayed for people, and God's done so much more. So don't limit your prayers. Don't minimize your prayer. Spend time with the Lord. And listen, you can pray to God when you're driving to work. Keep your eyes open. You can pray to God when you go on a walk. I mean, there's nowhere you can't pray. So we can never say, well, I don't really have time. What we're basically saying is we're letting too many other things interrupt our time with the Lord. We don't even need to talk about social media. I don't know how many years it's been now that I've gotten rid of uh, Instagram. Facebook I still have, but I never look at it, so don't email me through it. But it's so, it's so freeing when you're not bound to that stuff. But it's, somewhat, it's like the flesh wants to be entertained. You know what? Entertain the Lord with time with him. Have some face time with God. have some time just sitting and talking to the Lord. Today is the first Sunday of the month. We're going to take of communion this morning, and I want us to start 2024. Last week we started it with that part of prayer. This week we're going to talk about praying for each other. I'll pray for you. You pray for me. How's that? I'll have a lot more praying going on, but it's all good. But if we did that for each other, think about the person you're sitting next to right now. Take a mental note. Say, I'm going to pray for that person a little bit more. Or I'm going to pray for that person. And maybe there's someone that God's going to put on your mind right now that, you know what, that person needs prayer. They're not here. Maybe you work with them. Maybe you live next to them. Someone that could use prayer. Maybe there's someone that doesn't like your faith, doesn't like that you're a believer, doesn't understand how you could be so narrow-minded to believe in a God who creates all things. Pray for that person. Because when we pray, we get to participate in what God's doing. We get to watch what he does. The best part of praying is seeing God answer and change someone else's life, and you got to be a part of it. And then you can say, God, praise God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. But we have to be asking, and we have to be thinking. We have to be engaged. This can't be something, well, I just haven't prayed in a long time. I used to love people that would start their prayer like, hey, God, it's been a while. God goes, yes, it is, but I'm all ears. Exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, the power that's changing us, the Holy Spirit. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Glory in God in it. Listen, we don't want to draw attention to ourselves. We want to be a part of what God's doing, praying for each other. But when he answers, we're going to give him the glory. As the church, we're going to give him the glory. That's the job of the church, is to glorify God. When we worship, we don't do it for ourselves so that we can hear each other sound well. We do it for God because we want to worship a God who loves us. So bringing glory to him is the final thing and the final reminder for the Apostle Paul. God, I'm praying that they would be empowered. I'm praying that they would be strengthened. I pray that they would know your love. And I pray that, that you would dwell with them and that you would do exceedingly abundantly in their lives. 
but at the end, I pray that they just glorify you. May all of our lives, at the end of it, may people say, that person glorified God. We're not perfect. None of us are. But there's going to be moments in our lives where we've glorified the Lord. And that is well-pleasing to him. So let's pray. And then let's think about spending time remembering what Jesus has done and to know that he ever prays for us today. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you so much for your word and the power of the scriptures. And Lord, I think it's good that for some of us in here, we've read this text now two weeks in a row because we need to hear it. We need to believe it. We need to try in our limited capacity to comprehend the vastness and the capacity of your amazing love. We'll never get to the end of your love. We'll never reach that point where your love is not enough. And so increase our faith to believe that when we ask according to your will, you answer. And at the end of the day, at the end of our lives, may we be known for our living a life that brings glory to you. Life isn't easy. It's difficult, stressful, overwhelming. So many stresses coming at us, Lord. Distractions to keep us from you. But God, we pray right now. In Jesus' name. That this year, 2024, we would find ourselves just talking to you naturally, simply. And reaping the benefits for ourselves and for others. So give us the heart of the Apostle Paul. Help us to remember these things so that the effective, fervent prayer of righteous men and women will avail much. We love you, Lord. As we enter into this time of communion, God, I pray right now for all of us that we would forget about the things around us, that we would not focus on the stresses of tomorrow. Just spend this time with you, communing with you, connecting to you, listening to your voice. So bless this time, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.